What's up, everyone? This is Julian, and welcome to the Menatites podcast. Uh, almost didn't have an episode pl- uh, for this week, but you know, since the Oscars happened this past Sunday, and some good trailers came out this week, and a couple of little interesting bits from Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live have been coming up, and I figured, hey, now I got something to talk about on this podcast. And and I'm gonna kick it off with talking about the Oscars from this past Sunday, uh, the first time in many many years that we didn't have hosts for the show, yet it still managed to go 20 minutes past the the allotted time space that it had. It was supposed to end at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it ended closer to 11:30. And ah, sorry, I'm a little gassy and drinking some Pepsi, so yeah, I might be burping off and on in this one. And because I had fun not editing anything out for my fighting with my family film review which i encourage you guys to check that one out i am not going to be editing that whatever i say on this podcast it's going to be just whatever i say if i mess up if i stumble if i stutter then that's what you're going to get regardless because little by little i'm getting to the point where you know what i don't care if my podcast is perfect i just care that it's genuinely me so that's what you're gonna guys. You guys are gonna get. And if you don't like that, that I'm doing my format that way from now on, then sorry. You know, I can't be anyone else but myself. So here we go. Yes, to back to the Oscars, uh, 2019 Oscars. Uh, no host for the first time in years. Like I said, went still went about 20, almost 30 minutes over the time. It was not a bad show. It was much better than I expected it to be, and apparently it's. Ratings went up since last year. Uh, I think the highest that it's gotten in about ten years, which pretty good, I guess. And sorry, just a little distracted by my cats. They're looking at the birds outside the window, and they're making that weird little sound. So, yeah, not sure if you can hear them, but that's what's going on right now. Let me open the door for you guys so you can hear them if you'd like to. Hey, Angel. Anyways, yeah, it was a pretty good show, and, and a lot of surprise winners for the awards. I'm not gonna go through the whole thing. Um, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna say who won what category, and then I'm gonna give my thoughts on each one. Uh, the funny thing is, like, some the way some of these people reacted to who won what award, it's kind of like, really, it's not that big a deal. I mean. Uh, start at the bottom of this list. We have sound mixing was Bohemian Rhapsody, documentary feature Free Solo. I never saw that. Uh, makeup and hairstyling is Vice, which definitely deserves because Christian Bale looked like a spitting image of Dick Cheney. So good job on them. Costume design for Black Panther, uh, pretty good. I can see why they got that. Cinematography for Roma. Now Roma, I've heard a lot of people. Now now throughout the show, every time they announced Roma for whatever category that it was on. The audience cheered so loudly, but yet I've heard from so many people that it was a boring movie, so I don't know what what they were cheering for. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, and honestly, I don't plan to. Nothing about it interests me at all. Uh, but anyways, uh, production design, Black Panther. Original song, Shallow, from A Star Is Born. Original score, Black Panther, which I do admit, they had a great score. Uh, documentary short, period, end of sentence. Live action short, skin. Animated short, bow. Film editing, Bohemian Rhapsody, visual effects, First Man. Uh, that one. <sighs> I was rooting for Infinity War mainly because of the visual effects on Josh Brolin as Thanos were 
damn near perfect throughout. So, uh, sound editing, Bohemian Rhapsody. Now, a lot of people were not happy with Bohemian Rhapsody winning the awards that it got. It's, I don't know. It's, I guess, you know, people that want to be woke and complain about a, a straight actor playing a gay, a gay man and being directed by the several times accused child molester, Brian Singer. But talk more a little about that in a, in a little bit. Foreign language film, Roma, which I don't understand why it was nominated for foreign language film and for best picture. Has that ever happened before previously in Oscars? I mean, I'm too lazy to look it up, but has that happened before? I don't know. Adapted screenplay, Black Klansman, I get that, you know, that was expected. Original screenplay, Green Book, Green Book is a good movie, I did get to watch that, that's a good movie. Supporting actress, Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk, now she deserved it, she's a very talented actress and is finally getting the award recognition for it. Mahershala Ali for Green Book, another great underrated actor. Uh, Olivia Coleman from The Favorite for Best Actress. I did not see that movie, so I don't know how her performance went. Now, Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody as Best Actor, which, again, a lot of people had a big problem with, especially this, him winning Best Actor. Uh, I mean, I honestly don't know what the problem was. I mean, Rami Malek is a brilliant actor. He was, he killed it as Freddie Mercury. I just don't get what the, where the hate is coming from. Uh, Alfonso Caron for Roma. Again, I don't know what the big deal is with Roma, but good for him for winning. Uh, apparently, this is this was his his fourth, third or fourth time winning an Oscar. I'm not sure. And then Green Book for Best Picture. Now that one was another one that really pissed people off, and I don't know why it pissed people off so much, but it did. And uh, I mean, Green Book is a good movie, but I've seen a lot of people complaining that A Star Is Born should have won Best Picture or Black Klansman should have won. Uh, and then the MCU fans that wanted Black Panther to win. Now, I've said it many times, and other people have said it too. As great as Black Panther is, I love Black Panther. It it earned its billion dollar, multi-billion dollar box office and being in the top 10 highest grossing films of all time. It's earned it's earned its praise. It really has. And that's why, it, and even in my ranking of the 20 films on the MCU that I did back in December, I put it in my top 10 for a reason. It's a great movie. It just, to me, is not best picture worthy. You know, first, for it to be the first superhero film to be nominated for best picture, yes, that is a great accomplishment. I hope it does open the doors for better films to come in the future, but it is not best picture quality in my opinion. The Dark Knight was best picture quality. Logan was best picture quality. Those films didn't get it, so Black Panther should not have gotten a best picture nomination. That's just my opinion. And I know others feel differently. They think it should have been nominated and it should have won, but it didn't. So, and, but yeah. And I know, yeah, animated feature, I skipped over that. I don't know why. But yeah, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, that was the one award that I was so happy and wanted to see. And that is literally that. And Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper performing Shallow on the awards were the only were the main two reasons I watched the show. Because I was planning on skipping it and just spending the night playing Spider-Man on my PS4, honestly. But I decided to skip it just for those two things. And um, when Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse won, I was sitting on the couch watching it. Uh, my cats were asleep on me while I was watching it. And I jumped up with my fist in the air, so happy. You know, like my team won the Super Bowl. My team, like like if the New York, New York Giants is my 
team. If they like, if they had won the Super Bowl, that's how excited I was. Uh, I jumped up, fist in the air, screamed out, "Yes, yes, fuck yes!" So happy. It. If you haven't seen Spider-Man into the Spider Verse, it's still out in theaters for some. It just came out on digital this week. It's coming out in Blu-ray in a few, in about two or three weeks, and I'm excited for that. But yeah, uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, like I said, the one award that I was most looking forward to seeing if they were going to win, and I am so happy that they won. They basically ended the the notion that Disney Pixar was automatically going to win Best Animated Fe Feature every year, because it seemed like that's pretty much what it was for a long time, but I'm glad something else won, especially for it to be into the Spider-Verse, because that is one of the absolute best comic book movies I have ever seen. I pre-ordered the Blu-ray, I'm going to be getting it in a couple of weeks when that finally, you know, ships out from Amazon, and I can't wait to watch it over and over and over again. And then the other one that I was happy for was uh, Shallow from A Star Is Born winning Best Original Song. Uh, I am a Lady Gaga fan and have been for a very long time. I love her music and I love her as an actress as well. She's proven that she is more than just the woman with the crazy outfits that we used to always know her for. And uh, in the performance, her and Bradley Cooper at the awards as well. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I say that that performance moved me to tears. I was legitimately crying watching that performance. It was that beautiful and that amazing. And the chemistry that they had, just like in the movie, was was perfect, beautiful. And then everyone talking about the at the end when they were both like right there, face to face, looking like they were about to make out or whatever. Like Lady Gaga said when she was interviewed on Jimmy Kimmel uh, Wednesday night. Yeah, it was Wednesday night. And that she did tours for three years with Tony Bennett, and she was exactly like that with Tony Bennett when they performed on stage. So nothing is going on between her and Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper is happily married. I believe he is married. I don't know if he, if he is he married to to that woman. I don't. Know. I know he has a kid with her, but I don't know for sure if they're married. But he's happy with her, happy with his kid, and Lady Gaga. I highly doubt she's a, she would be a, a homewrecker like that. I mean, come on. You know. <sighs> but yeah, it was a beautiful performance. And her acceptance speech was an, also moved me to tears. It was a beautiful speech. i so proud of her. So happy to see my fellow New Yorker who came from nothing and, bec and has become everything. <laughs> pretty much. So happy about that. Um, I hope that this opens the door for her. You know, in Hollywood, to do more movies like this, and you know, do more music songs for films, and get all those accolades and those great awards. And, and that's pretty much all I have to say about the Oscars. The other thing I wanted to talk about, because uh, this first half of the podcast is basically all the Hollywood stuff that I wanted to talk about, is Selma Blair's interview on Good Morning America, which was, I believe, on Monday or Tuesday. I'm not a hundred percent, but either way. I watched it, where she was interviewed by Robin Roberts, where she was opening up about her diagnosis with MS, multiple sclerosis. And I don't know what's going on with my emotions this week, but I cried during that interview as well. Uh, I mean, because I'm a, I'm a Selma Blair fan. I've loved almost every movie she's ever done. 
And I loved her in the Legally Blonde movies. Uh, I liked her in Cruel Intentions. Loved her in Hellboy and Hellboy 2. Uh, Sweetest Thing. She was funny in that one. I loved that. And, I don't know, just it broke my heart to see her in the condition that she's in. And she's walking with a with a, with a cane now, and her MS has messed up her speech, where she has uh, physical spasms that when she speaks, she sounds like uh, like a recovering stroke victim. And I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm saying that to, because it's legitimately how she sounded. Um, and then when she was telling the story about how she told her, explained it to her son, what was going on, and then huh, sorry, I'm starting to tear up about just talking about it and thinking about it right now that she said that he asked her if this is gonna kill her and that was that was what really hit me and made the tears really fall out because uh, I mean no no child that young should have to bury their parent uh, never uh, and plus I, I can kind of really because I was 25 I believe when my dad died uh, let me count the clock back I turned 22 in 2008 and in 2009, he had the stroke. Turned 23, so. 23, 4, 5. Yeah, I was 25 uh, when my father passed away from the complications that came from him from his stroke. And, and was constantly told that I was too young to, to lose a parent. And after a while, I, I got tired of hearing that. And that's all I'm going to say about that because I don't want to go on a big rant about that. But. It was a, a beautiful and touching interview uh, that made me cry. I'm sure it made other people cry. Um, but Selma Blair, she was very optimistic during her interview as well. And I like that. I'm, I, I'm hopeful that her MS, that she's, you know, able, she is able to uh, manage it because I know there's no known cure for it, just treatment options. So... I hope that this works out for her. I really do. <sighs> now to onto a less depressing topic: uh, the Captain Marvel Rotten Tomatoes nonsense. Uh, yeah, if you've been living under a rock for the past ten days, there are bloggers have been going crazy because of a, uh, what they claim to be review bomb on the Captain Marvel patron Rotten Tomatoes, which it was not a review bomb. It was just the percentage of the want to see from fans where they get to t say if they want to want to see the movie or they don't want to see the movie that it re it was reaching record lows for any Marvel Cinematic Universe film that it reached as low as from what i heard as low as 24% interest in the movie and you know the bloggers kept saying oh it's a review bomb from trolls and russian bots uh no no what that is, is people not wanting to see the movie because of stuff that Brie Larson has said over the past year that has turned people off, myself included, but I'm still planning on seeing the movie. Uh, and other better people and more interesting people have discussed that topic to death but I'm with, with Brie Larson and her comments, so y'all can check them out. I'm just going to mainly stick with the Ron Tomatoes thing. That in response to this you know their low score for the want to see option not the not the fan re review or audience review it was fan interest in the movie reached a record low on the website and Rotten Tomatoes decided to revamp their system and completely remove that 
and put out an official statement saying even having to include it has nothing to do with Captain Marvel. The fact that you have to include that mean, yes, it does. It has everything to do with Captain Marvel. Um, but as I've said on commenting on other people's videos that talked about this, in my opinion, this is essentially Rotten Tomatoes admitting that their system is bullshit and that they have a very clear bias because the majority owner of Rotten Tomatoes is a guy that used to work for Disney, who now is who now owns Fan, Fan, Fandango. And Fandango owns majority share of Rotten Tomatoes. And you don't think that the guy that runs Fandango, who used to work at Disney for 12 years, doesn't have friends at Disney that decided to call him up and say, Wait, you gotta fix this? Because there's been a lot of reports in recent years of Disney doing some shady marketing tactics to get their films on the positive side in, in the, for, for the, with the critics. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that to be bullshit tactics right there. And it really says a lot. About how about the influence that Disney has on the film industry? I mean, because they're they all they're very close to having a monopoly on the entertainment world because they they own all the Star Wars intellectual properties. They own they own Marvel Comics, Marvel Studios, and apparently by this time next week they're gonna have have officially have acquired Fox Studios and all of their assets and intellectual properties for movies and television, and. That means Disney is going to have a stronghold on the entertainment industry in America and the world. Uh, and I know a lot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe fans are happy about that because, like, oh, we're going to get to see the X-Men with the, in the MCU. We're going to get the Fantastic Four and all the other Marvel characters that Fox had the movie rights to. Yeah, that's cool and all, but this is at the expense of the rest of the film industry. I mean, it means that yeah, while the movies might be better, they might be the X Men, future X Men movies in the MCU might be better than what we've previously had. But they're gonna have to fall in line with the formula that Kevin Feige has put in place for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because it is public knowledge, common knowledge, and he's not denying this. He, I think, he's even said it himself in interviews that before every MCU film starts production. He has the director sit down and watch the 1978, 76, whatever, I think 1976, Richard Donner's original Superman the movie. He makes them sit through that film and basically is like, that's what I want from you with this with this movie. Go make that movie. Essentially what that is, as great as that the original Superman the movie is, I love it. It's the, it's the first movie, it's the first time I was introduced to this, the character of Superman. But the fact that Kevin Feige makes every director watch that movie before they film their, their MCU film, it basically means all the MCU movies are the same, essentially. And that they have to fall in line with this good guy always wins, happy ending, happily ever after, you know, formula. Um, which really does hinder the creative process, in my opinion. It, yeah, although with the Russo brothers, with Winter Soldier, Civil War, Infinity War, and then Endgame that's going to be coming out in about two months now, uh, it's 
they're, they're they seem to be the only directors since John Favreau that are that were willing to you know to, that were willing and allowed to take risks with their characters with when they make these movies because because Winter Soldier was great Winter Soldier Winter Soldier was one of the absolute best MCU films Civil War was great Infinity War is awesome I Endgame I'm sure is gonna be just as great hopefully better I want it to be better than Infinity War because that like like I've been saying before. In previous videos where I talked about Infinity War and Endgame, because Endgame is supposed to be like the final chapter for a lot of these characters. That after Endgame, we're not going to see them anymore. So that that film deserves to have these characters go out on in grand fashion, a blaze of glory. And I look very much looking forward to that at the end of April. Uh, I'm going to pre-order my ticket for that whenever that becomes available, and I'll be there opening weekend. Uh, like a, like the same way I was last year for Infinity War. Bought my ticket for opening weekend, sat in that th in that seat for two and a half hours, almost almost three hours. Did not move once to get up and get a snack or go to the bathroom. And I'm gonna do that again this year with Endgame. If it's regardless if it's three hours, four hours, however many hours, I'm gonna sit there from start to finish, because that's just what I do. Ah. <sighs> <sighs> Well, since I'm on the topic of Fox, let me go ahead and talk about that Dark Phoenix trailer. Yes, we finally got a second trailer for the Dark Phoenix film coming out June 7th. And it's going to be the final X-Men film from 20th Century Fox. Because as of right now, we don't know for sure if we're, even, if we're getting new mutants. That one is still up in the air. But, you know, everyone kept saying, we're not going to get Dark Phoenix. It's, you know, Disney's going to shelve that. No. We're getting Dark Phoenix. We get, we just got a second trailer and a second poster. It's coming out June seventh, and I'm gonna make sure I see that opening weekend as well. But the, the trailer itself, seeing a lot of people commenting on it, saying that it looks like a rehash of X Men: The Last Stand, which I can kind of get it because X Men: The Last Stand featured the Phoenix character ish, but that was more of a side plot. The main plot of X-Men The Last Sand was the, the mutant cure. This one, it's all about the, the Phoenix. That's why it's called Dark Phoenix. It's not even called X-Men Dark Phoenix, it's just Dark Phoenix. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, we, we got a new trailer this week. They pre premiered a snippet of it on uh, Jimmy Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Jessica Chastain was a guest for that. And... And... Sorry, just rearranging my notes on here. And my opinion on the trailer, it looked much better than what we expected it to be. And the music, I'm not sure if that's going to be part of the official score, but it sounded like a Hans Zimmer track in the background. Of course, Hans Zimmer is is going to be doing the score for the for Dark Phoenix. And um, I've always loved Hans Zimmer's music. Look forward to hearing what he gives us in Dark Phoenix. And I also look forward to hearing what he gives us in, uh, sorry, The Lion King coming out later this year. Because he's did the score for the original Lion King back in 1993-94. And he's doing it again for the live-action-ish live version of the movie. I look forward to that. But yeah, Dark Phoenix trailer. Yeah, I thought it looked good. Had some great looking shots. Put a few of them up on the screen for you guys to watch on the YouTube video. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. I, it, it made me a little more excited to go see the movie again. Because for after that first trailer came out last year, 
uh, it, was, it was like around October, November time. Like, then it just kind of just, all attention on it just disappeared. It was supposed to come out uh, on Valentine's Day. That was the original, you know, release date. Even had it on the original poster. And after, the day after the poster and trailer premiered, it was announced that they moved, they moved it to June. And, of course, a lot of people are saying that, a lot of people are calling it, saying that it looks horrible, all this and that, and, you know, the reshoots and stuff, that's, you know, it's going to ruin the movie. Well, maybe, maybe not. From what I saw in the trailers, or in this, the new trailer, I mean, looked pretty good. Didn't look that bad. Doesn't It didn't look like uh, the reshoots hurt it. You know, it might have spoiled a couple of things, you know, for some people, but... You know, it is what it is. Um, and yeah, I'm going to be there opening weekend for that movie. Just like I'm going to try to be there opening weekend for the next film that I'm about to talk about. And that is Detective Pikachu. We got a second trailer for Detective Pikachu. And this one did kind of spoil a twist for some people. Uh, which I can understand, but at the same time... It made me want to go see the movie even more. And, of course, if you, uh, that twist that I'm talking about, well, if you haven't seen the trailer yet, you know, sorry to spoil it for you. But that twist is that Mewtwo is going to be the, as, at least from what we saw in the trailer, the main villain, but the main Pokemon villain of the movie. Which, I mean, Mewtwo is the, was the, the like, the top, you know, Pokemon that you had to face at the end of the original Pokemon run anyway, so... Don't know what the big deal is, but anyways, the trailer looks fun. Uh, I'm really loving and digging Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu. My favorite little bit, uh, the few of my favorite bits from the trailer, is uh, when he's saying, you know, like your your fa your father's alive. Case closed. Uh, ex uh, ex except you know, except on not until I. I don't know, whatever, something like, you know, the case, you know, father is alive, case closed, except not when I, until I finish, you know, solving this, or whatever it was, but it was funny, and then the other one where he said, you know, your father faked his death, or someone else faked your father's death, or your father faked someone else's death, that last one doesn't work at all, I chuckled at that part, and then also the, when they showed a the little bit of, Poke, of Pikachu in the Pokemon arena about to fight Charizard, uh, that was awesome. Uh, uh, is it? I can't. Uh, it's been a long time since I've checked the Pokemon. I'm gonna just Google it real quick. Is Charizard the top one? Because uh, I can't remember if Charizard is the last, um, the last level of you know character. For, yeah, Charizard is the the third level, the third evolved level of of Charmander. Sorry, it's been a long time since I've really cared about the Pokemon stuff. But yeah, he's in there. He's he's, he's even doing the little the, the little shuck and jive, you know, shuffle thing. Like he's about to get in a fist fight. And then when when Charizard comes out through the cage, he crouches out until in the fetal position. He goes Pika Pika. <laughs> oh, and it was so it was funny, and the visual effects on these characters just look amazing and phenomenal and perfect. And it's like, yeah, that's what they would look like in real life. That's that's I. I it, uh, like I said when I d talked about the first Detective Pikachu trailer, I didn't know how much I needed this movie in my life until I saw that trailer. And then seeing the second trailer, I'm even more excited to go see it now. And that one, it comes out in May, I believe. So I'm going to try to see that one as well. 
And then, speaking of uh, movies and when they release, we have an official release date for Aquaman 2, and that is going to be December 16th, 2022. I already have that marked on the calendar on my phone. Uh, of course, everyone knows how I, how much I love the first Aquaman movie that came out three months ago. Uh, that's another one that I pre-ordered the, the Blu-ray for that on Amazon. Gonna get that at the end of March, whenever it finally ships out. So I look forward watching that over and over again when I, when I get the Blu-ray and then I look forward to seeing Aquaman 2 when that comes out in three years so well as of right now it's technically four years because it's the beginning of 2019 but still uh what's it going to be about I'm not sure but they did in the mid credit scene they did tease that Black, Black Manta might be the main antagonist for Aquaman 2 which I'm okay with they set it up great in the in the first Aquaman. Look forward to seeing what they do in Aquaman too. Uh, you know, Black Panther was one of my favorites of the of the film. Of course, Orm, you know, Ocean Master, played by the brilliant Patrick Wilson, the underrated Patrick Wilson, was my favorite part of the entire film. He was perfect as Orm. And uh, speaking of uh, Black Manta, the actor that played him, uh, is, I believe it's like Yaya or Yaya, I don't, I don't know how it's pronounced, that he was saying on Twitter that he wants to play Booker T in the uh, Hulk Hogan movie that's supposed to be coming out on Netflix starring Chris Hemsworth. And you know what? Hey, I don't mind it. I would love to see, I would love to see him as Booker T. That'd be awesome. And then even Ric Flair spoke to TMZ saying that he wants Bradley Cooper to play him in the Hulk Hogan movie. And... You know what? Go ahead. Sure, why not? Bradley Cooper as Ric Flair, uh, yeah, 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 whatever his name is, as Booker T, Chris Hemsworth as Hulk Hogan. Perfect. Go for it. <laughs> That's it. That, I'll, I'll definitely watch that movie. This episode of the Men and Tights podcast is brought to you by. <laughs> back to the show um but you know talking about wrestling let me talk about what happened on monday night raw and smackdown live this week i'm not gonna go through the entire show i'm just gonna go through the two top things from each show that i mainly wanted to talk about the two things from monday night raw that i wanted to touch on was the return of roman reigns to share with us all the update on his leukemia diagnosis and treatment and he announced that he is in remission and that's awesome great news happy to hear about that but there's still a lot of fans who are saying that this is all work his leukemia was fake and all this and that it's all storyline because it was just another tactic for wwe to try to get fans behind him and whatever and as I've said, I am a medical professional. I'm a, med a medical assistant, certified medical assistant, and I'm currently training to be a certified billing and coding specialist. But medical assistant I've worked with and helped treat cancer patients in the previous clinics that I worked in. Not so much in the one that I'm in now, because that's where I'm doing an internship to with the billing and coding stuff. But previous clinics, I've worked directly with cancer patients, and I can tell you, 
not every cancer treatment is going to be the same. You're, not all of them are going to be, you're going to be hooked up to a machine receiving chemotherapy, radiation therapy. Not all of them, you're going to lose your hair. Because leukemia is a blood, is a, a blood cancer. It, that, it func that functions differently compared to other cancers. Uh, like my father, he had cancer two or three times. One of them was that I can, one of them specifically that I can remember. I don't know if it was all three, but he had bone marrow cancer at least once. Um, and again, that is blood. That is a blood cancer because bone marrow is made up of blood cells in in your bones. Um, and leukemia, again, it's blood cancer. And he was out for so from like mid to late October to uh, now it's the end of February. Well. This goes up March 1st, but still. No, that's just over four months worth of treatment that he could have had for cancer. Now, again, people that keep saying it's a storyline, it's a work. I even saw, I saw this guy that he wrote something that he's he has a, a type of leukemia, like similar to Roman Reigns. Joanna Watt, whatever, if you, if you want to, you know, go by his shoot name, as Christian said on the Edge and Christian show season two finale. Uh, there is, they do have like a little pill that leukemia patients can take that help manage their leukemia and can get them in remission within that same time period. And leuke most leukemia treatments, you don't lose your hair like you do to a traditional chemotherapy. To have one saying, you know, that he, you, you know, he, the Roman Reigns looks like he didn't have cancer. How was he supposed to look? Was he, did you want him to see, did you want to see him withering away in a hospital bed with his hair falling out, looking like he lost half of his body weight, you know, hooked up to machines? He's, he, that's not the, that's not the kind of cancer treatment he was receiving. And I've and even, you know, a leukemia cancer center on Twitter even went on things saying, with, with leukemia, you can lose weight, you can gain weight, you can lose your hair, you might not lose your hair. It's not a guarantee thing. So, but yeah, I stand with Rome, that Roman Reigns' cancer will is legitimate, and I'm happy that he is doing better. He's in remission, and that he's back now, and we'll see what they do with him going into Fastlane and WrestleMania. And then the other thing from Raw that I really, really wanted to talk about was the Ric Flair 70th birthday celebration. You know, throughout the night, they had all these video packages from people sending their birthday wishes to Ric Flair. We got one from Stone Cold Steve Austin. We had Maria Menounos. Uh, even had one from Snoop Dogg. So that was pretty cool. Uh, and at the end of the night, all, everyone came out. Triple H and Stephanie and Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle, everybody was in the ring. Sting, Rick, uh, Ricky Steamboat, all of them in the ring celebrating Ric Flair. Had a commemorative custom-made world championship belt for Ric Flair with all the championships listed on the side plates for him and all the other accolades and stuff and then when they played his music we're waiting for him to come out he's not coming out what you know what's going on where is Ric Flair it's his birthday blah 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 and they cut to a camera a steady camera station camera backstage see a cameraman being dragged across the floor they cut to the cameraman being dragged and who is it but it's Dave Batista dragging that cameraman to Ric Flair's locker room. Tells him, stay here, don't move. Busts through Ric Flair's door, slams it shut. You hear a little scuffle going on, some things being knocked over. Then the door is pulled open and Batista is dragging Ric Flair across the floor. And then he looks right into the camera and says, Hey, Hunter, do I have your attention now? And 
holy shit, I have, that is one of the best endings to Monday Night Raw in a very long time. I did not see that one coming. Most people anticipated that it would have been something with Becky Lynch, uh, which storyline she got arrested earlier in the night and Ronda Rousey sent, might have relinquished, relinquished the Women's Championship uh, or, or just you know dropped it right in front of Stephanie McMahon's feet because she was demanding Becky Lynch to, re to be reinstated and put in the championship match for a triple threat. Uh, and Saturday kept saying no, it's not gonna happen. But anyways, you know, everyone expected Becky Lynch was gonna do something to to Ric Flair to get back at Charlotte, but no. Uh, we had Batista taking out Ric Flair to get Triple H's attention, which means we're definitely gonna get that match with him and with Triple H and Batista at WrestleMania 35. We thought it was off the table after Triple H had that nasty, nasty peck injury at the Crown Jewel pay-per-view last year. Uh, but I guess Triple H is recovered if he's not, if not 100%, close enough to 100% where he's able to have that match with Batista at WrestleMania. And you know what? If this is how we're kicking it off, awesome. Great way to start it. I'm, I'm excited for it. Can't wait to see that match. <laughs> um, and speaking of Batista, let me look back at other little notes that I had on here. Uh, apparently, uh, going around that he is, has a Zack Snyder film uh, that he's uh, either is going to be working on or is interested in working on. I'm read the. I'm gonna have it up on the screen for you guys too, but I'm gonna read this little. Uh, little paragraph that I saw on Twitter says he's coming off his biggest year yet though in terms of film credit film credits rather including a well-regarded role as a bruiser of a hospital orderly alongside Jodie Foster in Hotel Artemis he's got the uber action comedy Stuber alongside Kumail Nanjiani and Smy Spy in which he plays a hardened CIA operative who finds himself at the mercy of a nine-year-old girl not to mention his just announced role as Beast Rabin Raban in Dennis Villeneuve's uh, sure to be epic Dune remake, Avengers Endgame comes out in April, and he says there's a Zack Snyder project on the horizon. Now, many fans are speculating that this could be the the Army of Darkness film that Zack Snyder uh, has planned uh, for Netflix coming out next year. Um, now, whether or not that is what we're going to be seeing, don't know for sure. But if it is, awesome. You all know that I'm a Zack Snyder fan, and I am a fan of Dave Bautista's acting. It's, he's a very good actor, much better than most of us realize. Uh, so, I look forward to seeing that. And, uh, see. And now moving on to SmackDown Live. This one was a pretty interesting one as well. Had a few good things that came out of it. Uh, I'm going to start with the uh, smaller news that came out of it, which was the return of Matt Hardy. Well, not really small news, but you know, compared to the other one that I'm going to talk about after this, Matt Hardy has officially returned with his brother Jeff Hardy reuniting the Hardy Boys on SmackDown. And at least for the foreseeable future, uh, we are going to see the Hardy Boys back in action to get together again. Um, um, maybe they're renewing their quest for the gold that they started back in Impact Wrestling, so we'll, we shall see. Uh, because, of course, they came back WrestleMania 33 uh, two years ago, won the Raw Tag Team Championships. I guess now their goal is going to be to get the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Maybe that's maybe that's what we'll see at WrestleMania. It'll be them and the Usos, and maybe one, maybe one or two other teams for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. That'll be awesome. I'm, I would love to see that. That'll be great. And... 
uh, me and, and Matt Hardy during the interview, uh, I think it was exclusive to WWE.com, where he said that he's under, he has managed to keep his wokenness under control. So, at least for now, the woken, broken Matt Hardy is put on the side for now. Doesn't mean he's completely gone, just that he's under control for now. Uh, but the bigger news that came out of SmackDown Live, because the show opened with the WWE title contract signing for Fastlane, which was going to be Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan. And Bryan signed his name on the contract. And just as Kofi was about to sign it, we got interrupted by Mr. Vince McMahon. Basically pulling what he pulled on Becky Lynch uh, a few weeks ago on Raw. Saying... Yeah, Kofi Kingston, you know, you deserve that 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 match, but you're I'm replacing you with someone more deserving and better. And he brought out the returning Kevin Owens, and um, of course that was a big shocker. Did not expect that, uh, but I like it. It's a good little storyline twist. And to me, my re my re takeaway from this is that we're gonna get. Uh, the Kofi versus Brian one-on-one championship match at WrestleMania. After all, that's that's my takeaway from this. But you know, Kevin Owens is back. It's gonna be him and Brian for the title at, at Fastlane. That's gonna be an awesome match. But the weird thing is, throughout the night, Kevin Owens was presenting himself like a babyface, which was a little odd because after they announced that he was gonna be the one fighting Brian for the title, he went to Shane and Stephanie McMahon and said, you know. You know, team me up with Kofi, you know, tonight, and we'll fight Brian and, and Rowan in the main event. It was a little weird. Like, he, he, he was coming off, like, very humble and modest, you know. It was weird. Uh, but I'm curious to see where this where this goes, because, you know, it's not going to... Him being that way isn't going to last forever. We, we all know that. Uh, but it, it's, again... Just like how I feel with the Becky Lynch, Charlotte Fair, Ronda Rousey situation, it's a nice little twist thrown in there that's keeping me very much interested in the story. And like I said, my takeaway from it is that we are going to get Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan one-on-one -on -one WrestleMania for the WWE Championship. No New Day at ringside, no Rowan at, at ringside, that's what I want. Just them one-on-one -on -one in the classic match that we, that we know they can give us. Hell, they could probably give us a match on the level of Ricky Steamboat and Macho Man from WrestleMania 3. I, I know they have it in them for that. And that's it for Raw and SmackDown Live. Uh, the other big news coming out of WWE this week was we got our newest name announced for the 2019 class of the WWE Hall of Fame, and that is the Hockey Talk Man, the self-proclaimed greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time, the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of all time, and he's finally going to get his induction this year after so many years. Uh, I believe he was originally supposed to be inducted in 2010, but apparently because he had a prior commitment for that weekend, I think he was going to go to WrestleCade or something like that uh, for Wrestle during WrestleMania weekend and couldn't was not able to attend the Hall of Fame ceremony. So that's why they took his uh, induction away completely for so many years. And But he's getting it this year. Um... Who's going to induct him? I'm not sure. Maybe Ricky Steamboat will induct him because Ricky Steamboat is the one who who is who Honky Tonk Man defeated for the Intercontinental Championship to begin that historic, you know, longest reign ever. Uh, I mean, I've, I've never been a Honky Tonk Man fan, but you know, it's good to see that he's finally getting the Hall of Fame induction that he's been begging for forever. <laughs> uh, so you know. 
we have our two names finally announced for the Hall of Fame. We got DX and now Honky Tonk Man. So next week, we'll probably find out our third name inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. We still got a, you know, we still got four weeks left. So plenty of time to announce more names for the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, the celebrity inductee, whoever is going to be the female inductee. Uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, and also from WWE celebrating five years of the WWE Network. That is awesome. I love the WWE Network. I've been binge-watching all the old Monday Nitros over the last few months. And now I've, I've only been a WWE Network customer for three years. I didn't get it in the initial launch back in 2014. I got it in 2016 uh, around WrestleMania 32 time. Actually, I got it the week of Fastlane, I remember. Because cause the very next day is when I watched the pay-per-view. Because I was busy the, the night of, so I watched it the day after, and that was fun. Uh, yeah, been a subscriber for, to them since 2016, and you know, here's to five more years of the WWE Network. Um, um, but with the WWE Network, the Beyond the Ring feature that they have on there, the category, they, they really need to update that, update that category. There's so many documentaries that they have not uploaded to it. Because uh, right, it goes from 2004 to 2016. And it ends with, I think, the Eric Bischoff documentary. Which is a you know, great documentary, don't get me wrong. But that's the last one that they've uploaded, I think. Right? Either that either that one or the, or the ECW Shocking Moments one. I'm not sure. Or Extreme Moments. Whatever. It's it's either ECW or, or Eric Bischoff. Whichever one. You know, you know, and some, but the thing is, like some of the documentaries, they do cut some of the stuff out from the original DVD Blu-ray releases, uh, like the Bret Hart documentary on the network. They cut out all the Chris Benoit stuff, which is just it makes it doesn't flow as well. Good thing I still got the DVD autograph DVD, by the way, of the Bret Hart three-disc DVD set where I can still watch the original documentary with the Chris Benoit stuff included, um, and the Triple H documentary. For whatever reason, they cut out the whole section of his match with Randy Orton at WrestleMania 25, I think, uh, and also his Hollywood stuff. I'm not really sure. I think I feel it's either one or both that are cut off. But you know, that's why I'm you know re repurchasing a lot of these WWE documentaries on the on the blue on the Blu-ray instead. Uh, like I recently recently purchased the Ultimate Warrior documentary Blu-ray. The uh, the Live Forever, or whatever it is called. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm going to. Um, and, uh, well... That's, I don't know, that's, I guess that's pretty much it. I don't really have anything else to talk about, really. Uh, you know, thanks for watching and listening to this one. I uh, appreciate it very much. Um, you know the whole routine. Remember to like, share, subscribe, hit the notification bell for the YouTube channel. Follow me on all my social media in the description, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, next week I will have my uh, fast lane predictions uh, for you guys. For as of right now, the only matches we have confirmed are Daniel Bryan versus Kevin Owens, the Usos versus Miz and Shane, Boston Hug Connection versus Nia Jax and Tamina. Uh, sure, we're going to get at least three more matches between now and then so look forward to seeing how that works out and then the week after i'll have my next shooting the shit episode where i'm recapping fast lane of raw and smackdown and whatever 
Marvel and D- DC news that comes out during the week and whatever other interesting stuff that I feel like talking about. And again, follow me on Twitter. Tweet me at IamFossitude with any topics for, that you want to hear me talk about on the podcast or any questions that you have for me, and I'll address all that shit. Uh, thank you all so much for watching and for listening, and I'll see you next week. Bye.